0: This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. As we have navigated the last 100 years, the church has made some very subtle decisions to give the world a poor example of what a real man and a real woman is. Because we have the answers. We spent time diving into God's word. And the gift of masculinity and femininity is a beautiful gift. It's a gift that God readily gave us from the beginning of creation. But it is something that we need to talk about. We need to study. We need to engage because it is extremely pivotal. It affects Every relationship, not just a marriage or a romantic relationship. And so, we, as we went through this series, allowed you guys to ask questions and you submitted them on cards that we gave you in the offering each week. And so, this week I have the privilege of tackling your questions. And let me just say, you guys were vulnerable, honest, and you asked me some really really difficult questions, and so what we're going to do is dive into them and get some honest answers. Is that good? All right, let's go for it. The first question that we're going to deal with is how should a man and woman relate to each other outside of a romantic relationship? Because it's so easy to talk about masculinity and femininity in the design that God implicated in marriage, but if you work and you're a man, you will work with women. Ladies, if you go out into the marketplace, you will deal with men. It is absurd to think that we would not have relational interactions with other people of the opposite sex. As a matter of fact, we really, if we dive in and look into the design that God implicates in Genesis 1 especially Genesis 127 where the scriptures tell us that God created man in the image of himself and then it goes on to say male and female he created them that there is a wholeness that's present in masculinity and femininity that's not there if one is by themselves. God created those Two things to interact. And as we've talked about it over the last few weeks, what we've said is that femininity, masculinity, the heart of a man, the heart of a woman is differentiated simply by a different set of priorities. It's not that in the scripture God says, man, you're much more important, women, you're not. It's not that at all. It's actually a different set, equal import- Importance but complementary priorities. And, and so as we begin to answer this question, let me just say that we said each week, we use this term that uh, those priorities sh- should exist, and here's the quote, it'll be on the screen, to the degree to which the relationship exists. So let's just jump back to the heart of a man where we said that the heart That God has given a a man is to be a protector, a provider, and a leader. Now, that should be present in every relationship that that man has to the degree to which that relationship exists. But sometimes it's easy to step beyond the boundary of where that relationship naturally exists. And I have seen men in relationships become far more protective of a woman that they work with than they are of their wife. And there's something that's wrong with that. They've become more emotionally involved and feel the, the need to protect or to provide for someone greater than this epic relationship. The reason that marriage is so easy to talk about in this context is it represents the most intimate relationship that a human being can enter into and so the dynamics are at its greatest in the context of a marriage i have in the course of my life worked jobs where women were my boss If I were around them and I sensed that they were in trouble, that someone, maybe a customer, a client, or even a student when I was in school was about to attack them, I wouldn't let it happen, okay? Because as a man, I feel that it is my job to protect The weak, okay? That's a part of the design that God placed into the heart of, and so if there is someone who is stronger than her, who is about to use his strength to hurt this woman, I would step in. But I would never feel the sense and obligation to protect that I feel for my wife. I wouldn't sit and worry, all right, it's she at home? Does she have protection while she's at home? Did she lock the doors? What's her plan? If this, I, that is inappropriate. And so there's a level of intimacy that every relationship naturally presents itself into. There's a healthy boundary there, and when we step over that, all right. So, woman, we said that. In the heart of women, God has given the desire to be nurturing, to help and love and care for something as it grows. All right. And ladies, I can tell you that I have seen some women become much more involved in another kid's life than their own kid because they felt a sense of reward out of that relationship they neglected a very intimate relationship in their children to engage in a relationship that that is not as intimate a child of a person down the street so there's a boundary that should exist There's a healthy boundary. And so to answer the question, how should a man and woman relate to each other outside of a romantic relationship, I would say this, that the priorities that God has placed in our hearts as men and women always stay there. It's not that in one moment we're fully masculine and then the next moment I'm demasculated so that I can engage something. All right, God has created the masculine and the feminine heart. For a reason. But if we ever step outside of the boundary of intimacy. That naturally presents itself as that relationship is healthy. Then we step into something that's dangerous. And that's where i sat down with, with women and their husbands. And I have watched their hearts break as they begin to tell a story of a person and co-worker that they got involved with. They didn't ever see it going to the place that it went, but the reason it was was that at some moment they decided to step over that healthy boundary of coworker and get a little bit more involved, get a little bit more helpful, get a little bit more nurturing than that relationship naturally should have been. You see, that first step over is the place where we start to get comfortable being in intimate, kind of out of proportion intimate relationship. And so to answer that question real simply, I would just say that the heart that God has placed in us is designed to stay in there. We're designed to relate to each other. God made masculinity and femininity in a way that it is complementary, not just in our marriages, but in the world itself, All right? And so to say that we're supposed to run away from a woman because she's a woman is denying that truth, right? But the relationship to stay healthy has to stay inside of that intimate boundary where I know that this is the type of relationship it is, And I'm not stepping over that boundary. Let's move on. Second question. This is for the ladies in the room. God, this is a tough question. Can a woman be completely feminine and a leader in the marketplace? Can a woman be completely feminine and a leader in the marketplace? Because we've all known women who were leaders in businesses, or even even I can look back and say that I've had three principles when I taught that were that were women, and I would say that one of those was very, very feminine. Two of them, not so much. All right, so um <laughs> all right, so one distinctly feminine. Here's here's some things that I would tell you. Femininity, as I said earlier, is defined by a series of priorities. But here's what I would tell you that those priorities can be present in effective leadership. I would tell you that that leadership looks very different than it does when it comes out of the heart of a man. All right. And there's some places that the effective leadership of a woman is highly regarded. Now, the thing that I would tell you and caution you is this, is that, Women, especially women that work in a business-oriented field. If you're working in government and banking and in, in a kind of a, I mean, a place where the guys come with press suits and it's like power every day. It is really easy to feel like you will be more effective in life if you downplay your femininity. But I would encourage you that God made you The way that you are. And that you will be the best at what you're doing when you are fully the way that God made you. It is really interesting that Google had its largest jump in profitability with a woman chief operations officer. And right now, the COO for Facebook It's a woman. And she's become a little bit outspoken on the topic of working and being a woman. I'd like to show you a video where she talks about this.
1: I walk out of this office every day at 530, so I'm home for dinner with my kids at 6. And interestingly, I've been doing that since I had kids. I did that when I was at Google. I did that here. And I would say it's not until the last year, two years, that I'm brave enough to talk about it publicly. Now, I certainly wouldn't lie, but I wasn't running around giving speeches on it. I was showing everyone I worked for that I was working just as hard. But I think now I'm much more confident, and so I'm more confident in where I am, and so I'm able to say, hey, I am leaving work at 5.30, and I say it very publicly, internally and externally, and I hope that means other women and men, importantly, and men, feel comfortable going home to see their kids.
0: So let me give you some just simple principles that I would say that 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 voice echoes this is that when God gives us a priority we don't compromise it when God gives us a priority we don't compromise it dilute it or water it down and so in the heart that God has given a woman this Capacity to nurture and to be supportive. All right, the reason that she was so successful at Google was because she was amazing at doing collaboration to develop advertising there. You see, it takes someone that'll listen. And look at something and go, all right, it's not quite where it needs to get to love it and care for it and push it and work with it and nurture it. And I'm just going to be honest, us dudes just ain't good at nurturing, right? <laughs> it's the truth. Like Point us and say, go kill it and we'll do it, all right? But being able to... To listen and bring teams together and grab all of that stuff. Some of that stuff is so anchored in to the feminine nature that that, it, and it is so valuable in the marketplace that sometimes you know we step back and look and go, well, I don't, you know. But yes, I would tell you that that truthfully that that a woman can be a very effective leader. I would encourage you that in that. All right. Don't compromise your femininity in that. Let's go on. Let's go on. All right. This question, this is a very vulnerable, honest question. Should we view our commitment in marriage or how should we view our commitment in marriage if we committed to each other before we committed our lives to Jesus? We had uh, about three or four questions that were similar along that line. uh, We were doing drugs and, you know, whatever, and we got married and now we're married, but we've all met Jesus and now we're on a new path. Well, Marriage is a covenant. It's a decision. It's a it's a covenant that we make not just with each other but with God. It's kind of like being a parent, too. And I've never met a parent that said, you know what, I had this baby before I met Jesus and I got saved today. I really don't feel like God's called me to be a parent. So I'm gonna leave it with you and I'm going out. I'll bring the clothes and everything later. Does that make any sense at all? It doesn't, does it? But we think that way sometimes, don't we? Like, man, God, this, and we we take some things that the Bible makes very basic, and and we start letting them rattle around in our head, and we go, well, God made me a new person. Maybe maybe that affects that, but I would tell you this that. I have seen, I have seen, even here in our church, I've seen men and women who were not living for Jesus at all. They were uh, not married, living together, uh, get saved, convicted, get married. I've seen uh, when I was in in student ministry and in college, I've dealt with couples who were not living for Jesus at all that uh, intended to get married, but they were were having sex and engaging in those kind of relationships with each other, and then they came, met Jesus, got straight, backed away from the behavior, spent two or three years, and and you know, in in an engagement, preparing for a marriage, get married, and live a healthy life together. Okay. The thing about marriage is, is that it is designed to be a covenant, and that means it's not, it's not. Like our driver's license, did you guys know that in some sections of Europe now, when you go to get a marriage license, it has an expiration date on it. Like our, marriage li- like our, our driver's license do now. It's a 20-year expiration date on that marriage license because the divorce rate is so high, they don't even expect you to last. And I'm going to come back and deal with this but, towards the end, but I would give you a couple of scripture references. Genesis uh, 2.24, Ephesians 5.31. If that's something that you're, you're considering, look into the covenant relationship. And again, we'll deal with this in just a little while as we kind of come to a conclusion. Because most of the time, that question comes really because all right, there's some tension in our relationship, and I'd really like to find an out. <laughs> and, and we're going to help you see that God closes that door. Um, all right, so continuing on. This is, this is when we start to get a little awkward. All right, number four, uh, premarital sex. What if you're committed to each other, but you've already started having sex and you're not married? Is it okay for engaged couples? That's a really honest question, and I'm really glad somebody asked that because I didn't intend to talk about this kind of stuff when we started this series, but you gave me a chance to, and that's awesome. All right, so um, here we go. All right, let me give you, this is just a principle that exists in every area of our lives across the board. Here it is. God has a plan. We have a plan, and we have to choose. God has a plan, we have a plan, and we have to choose between those two plans. That's in our sexuality. That's in our marriage. That's as we've looked over the past few weeks in the design of God in the heart of a a male and a female as God has designed us. All of those things. God has a plan. Often we have a plan and we have to choose which plan we're going to follow. The basis for the way that we've been talking about this as a church for centuries really goes back to the Ten Commandments. And that's where the Bible very clearly tells us as Moses delivers the commandments to not commit Adultery. Adultery is simply defined as sleeping with someone, engaging in a sexual relationship with someone that is not your wife. Now, Jesus takes this a little bit further in Matthew 5 and begins to deal with some, some topics where he says, you know, well, you've heard it said that you can get divorced if, you know, that if someone does this, if, and he says, but I tell you, and this is the typical way that Jesus would teach to say, hey, this is what you've heard, but I tell you now, that if any man has looked on a woman lustfully, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. The beautiful thing about Jesus is Jesus has a way of leveling the field. Has a way of saying, you know what? Everyone has felt really good about themselves because they didn't do that. And now let me just prove to you that in our hearts we all have. So in this moment when a woman is caught with in adultery, they bring her to Jesus and the law says, all right, we should be stoning this woman. And Jesus says, well, all right. Whoever hasn't sinned, y'all just go ahead and start throwing the stones right now. Go ahead. And the scriptures tell us from the oldest to the youngest, they begin to drop their stones and to walk away. See, most of the time when we talk about this, there's a lot of shame because sin leads to shame but I would tell you something that Rick Warren says, this is brilliant, Rick Warren just says, sin normally starts out as fun. Sin normally starts out as fun and in the world that we live in, it is Important to just give you as your pastor just some very quick because we have some folks in here that ain't married and we got some young people. Let me just give you some guidelines on sex. Okay? The first is that sex is either God, gross, or gift. That's Mark Driscoll, this pastor in Seattle, said that. That sex will either in our lives be a God, it will be gross or we will view it as a gift. By God, he means that our lives will be oriented around that. We'll serve that God to get that thing. But that we also can swing to the opposite side of the pendulum where we start to think of sex as gross. Like, ooh, nasty. But that the way that the scriptures teach us is that sex is It's a gift. Here's some things that I would would tell you. Number one, any sex outside of marriage is sinful. I don't care if you're engaged. I don't care if he loves you more than anything in the whole wide world. Any sex outside of marriage is sinful. And I love that someone asked about being engaged with this because in our culture, we kind of have taken a a really weird stance where we start to look at engaged couples as if they're married. But you know what you can do when you're engaged? You can walk away. You can turn that ring back in and say, I'm done with this. But in God's eyes, when you're married, it's a covenant. So any sex outside of marriage is sinful, even for engaged couples, because you have yet to make that covenant. And just like we talked earlier that there are boundaries in relationship, God designed it to say, hey, there's a boundary that should only be broken in that relationship in this most intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. That's the only time that boundary is to be broken. The second thing that I would tell you is this, or the next thing is that sex is meant to be done in such a way that it does not invite shame. It does not invite shame. Because I hate to say this, just being honest as your pastor, when someone asks that question, they're asking for permission. And the Bible doesn't give us permission for that. And where the Bible doesn't give us permission, I can't faithfully give you permission. If there's something that in this has presented in your life, here's what I would tell you as we just looked at it just a moment ago, Jesus levels the playing field about this. He says, listen, we've all committed adultery in our hearts. This sin is not the devastating sin that will be a blow to any relationship, even if it's presented in a relationship with somebody that you love and you care about and you want to stay committed to them. It's not a death blow to that but what you do need to do is to live in God's plan because God has a plan and we have a plan and we need to stop changing and compromising God's plan because what we find it easy to do is to go, well, there's the 10 steps that God's given me. On that ninth step, I would like to change that a little bit because surely God didn't mean that. Surely he didn't mean that I have to... you. No, when God gives us a plan, follow the plan. Because here's something that we just need to accept. His way is better than ours. His way's better than ours. He knows better than we do. He cares about you more than you care about you. And you think you care about yourself and that your plan is so good, but God loves you a whole lot more then even at times we, we look and go, God, no, because I will get in a moment fixed on something that I think I want and it will become my God, but God says, I have a plan for you. If you're in that moment, all you need to do is to repent and make a change and start living out God's plan. Let's move on. Number five, in marriage, what do we do when our priorities are messed up and our needs aren't being met? Wow, what a great question. Wow, what a great question. What do we do when we step back and look at the heart that God designed to be in place in me as a husband and in my wife as a wife? What do I look, When I look at my relationship and we've blown it, What do we do? I told you guys when I preached the message on men a few weeks ago, I stood at the very beginning and said, I have felt convicted by this message. So, what did I do? I had to pull my wife aside on Tuesday night and say, I've been studying and uh, I've blown it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've blown it because I thought, I thought the Bible said this and, and I've been trying to be that. But all along, the scripture was telling me that I needed to be this. And I've blown it. I've been trying to be something that God doesn't even want me to be. So what do we do when our priorities are messed up? Just like the question before, God has a plan. We have a plan. Whose plan are you going to choose? just that simple we like to make it complex and go but God you know I've been doing this so long sorry he's God the plan that you're talking about that you're not wanting to follow he's had that plan in place for a whole lot longer than any of us have been in place y'all realize that and we're complaining about God I'm just used God's like you really that's the excuse you got to throw at me you just set in your ways that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I want to read something I wrote as I was studying about this: If any relationship becomes centered on what you get out of it, it's going to lead you to attempt to control and manipulate and eventually be disappointed in the person that you love. If any relationship becomes centered on what you get out of it, because that's what we're to some degree saying, we're saying, hey, our priorities have gotten messed up and I'm not, what do we do when my needs aren't being met? You know what you hear young people say? When you start talking about getting married today, or especially on Christian college campuses. Now you know I'm just looking to find somebody that can meet my needs. Really? Good luck. Good luck with that one. I don't think e harmony has that category. Sorry. <laughs> You see, for a relationship to actually work, it takes us saying, I'm looking for someone that I can meet their needs. Because when a relationship becomes centered on what I get out of it, it's always going to lead to brokenness. Always i told you guys this a long time ago. I will keep telling you this for a very long time. Relationships can only be sustained by grace. That's it. And so, especially in the context of a marriage, when we start looking at our spouse and going, well, I'm not getting out of this what I thought I was going to get out of it. You know what we need to think? In the back of our mind, we need to start thinking, so what? Because it's not about what I get out of it. It's not. As a matter of fact, think back. The most memorable moments in your life probably did not revolve around you getting something great. But I promise you that in moments when you sacrificed greatly, there was greatness found in that moment. You want your relationship to get better? Go all in. Stop holding back. Stop worrying about what you get and start giving grace extravagantly, serving faithfully and loving in a way that only Jesus could empower us to love. This week I was watching the news and I saw a story And as we get ready to close, I wanted to share this story with you. Would you watch
1: this? And I know you guys get tired of me. It's little things. Coach Peter Morales of the Coronado High School Thunderbirds in El Paso, Texas, makes no qualms about it. He has a favorite on this team. Mitchell, I need you. I need you to help me out with my coaching tips, Mitchell. Team manager Mitchell Marcus has a developmental disability. One, two, three, four! And he far surpasses everyone here when it comes to love of the game. He's this amazing person that our basketball team loves being around. Mitchell's mom, Amy, says he's always been that way. Mitchell always had a basketball that was always what he wanted for his birthday. And because basketball is that important to him, on the last game of the regular season, the coach told Mitchell to suit up. What was it like to put on the uniform? I was very happy. I bet you were. Just wearing a jersey was enough for Mitchell. But what he didn't know, what no one knew at the time, was that the coach planned to play him. At the end, no matter what the score. You were prepared to lose that game? For his moment, yes. For his moment in time, yes. And so, with a minute and a half left, Coronado leading, but only by 10, Coach Morales put in his manager.
0: And just started hearing, mid so
1: Mick so but here's where the fairy tale fell apart. Although his teammates did everything they could to get Mitchell a basket, each time they passed him the ball, he either missed the shot, or like on their last possession, booted it out of bounds, turning the ball over to the other team with just seconds left. He wasn't gonna be able to score, but I was hoping that he was happy that he was just put in the game. Could you have ever imagined what happened next? No, I did I could not, not at all. What happened next happened on the inbound. The guy with the ball there is a senior at Franklin High School. Number 22, Jonathan Montanez. Uh, I was raised to treat others how you want to be treated. Just thought Mitchell deserved his chance, deserved his opportunity. I think I'll cry about it for the rest of my life. What Jonathan did was yell out Mitchell's name, then threw the ball right to it, right there. One of the most memorable turnovers of all time. It wasn't the game-winning shot. When the buzzer sounded, Coronado had 15 more points than Franklin. But Jonathan's assist and Mitchell's basket did change the outcome decidedly. Play any game with this much sportsmanship. Both teams win. Steve Hartman on the road in El Paso, Texas. You
0: see, me and you are Mitchell. We've had every opportunity that life could have afforded us. We've missed the shots, booted the passes out. And Jesus stepped into the story. So that our imperfection was not the end. So that us blowing it, us choosing our own way would not be how this story would end. Our big brother Jesus is standing over there on the sideline with the ball. After we've blown every shot, calling our name, ready to pass the ball to us. This is an opportunity that we haven't done anything to earn. It's all based on the fact that he loves us so much that he doesn't want our stories to end in that kind of brokenness. So would you pray with me this morning? God, we just want to thank you that through your grace and mercy, we can know, we can know the truth of the fact that even though we've blown it, even though we've missed, even though we've missed our shot, God, that you, your grace and mercy are willing to give us another shot. And So today, God, if there's anyone in the room today who feels like they've just blown it, they've messed up and they've lost their way, would you for us, for your goodness and for your kingdom, remind us that, we're just really one decision away from getting right with you. And that's choosing to step away from our plan and into yours. So with nobody looking around, nobody standing up, nobody stirring, no eyes roaming around, just you and Jesus, let me ask you a question. Have you blown it? Have you blown it? I mean, God's given you a shot in life. But have you blown it? Because I can tell you that in so many ways I have. And if you recognize that you've blown it. Do you want today... To make a new start. To start a new journey. If that's you and you say, hey, you know what? I have blown it. I've messed it up. But you know what? Thanks to Jesus being there in the second chance, I would like to take the opportunity that he's given us to live in a second chance. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? Is there anybody else that would say today, you know what, I've, I've been blowing it, but thanks to God's mercy today, I just want to start anew. I want to really chase after this thing and do it right. Is there anybody else? Father God, as we stand here and the people that are in this room have recognized that They haven't been living according to your plan. Would you again do what you do? Remind us of your goodness and love for us. I call them into that place, that plan. Into your will. For your glory and for your name. In the name of Jesus we pray. Would you give a. A hand clap for the people who have committed themselves to God today.